Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. We're going to start with slide 16, the review, the last one we had this morning. As we're getting to that, one other interesting thing happened. Uh, well, a lot of interesting things happened. But, you know, we spent uh, time in Dalhart with Jeremy and his wife, the grandkids. And then we drove up to Estes Park, where we'd been 40-something years ago. <clears throat> stayed in the same cottages that we stayed at before. Our first night there, we decided, well, let's go to the grocery store. There's only one big grocery store in Estes Park. I said, let's go to the grocery store. And I said, because, you know, we're staying in the cottage. It's got a little kitchenette. I said, we'll cook breakfast. That'll be easy to do. We'll cook breakfast every morning. So we went up there and to get some coffee. Got to have coffee, right, guys? So we went to, to get some coffee. And we're standing there in the coffee aisle. And I got on uh, a shirt with an LSU emblem on it. And I looked coming down the aisle were uh, two ladies. And one of them had an LSU sweatshirt on. She's carrying an LSU bag. And uh, I, I, I turned and I said, got to be an LSU fan. And then she sees my thing. She says, go Tigers. We stood there for 45 minutes. <laughs> right, Sharon? Now, Sharon talked to her friend. Her, her friend was in banking and Sharon was in banking. But I talked to this lady. Now, you guys that like football, this is how serious a fan this lady. Well, first of all, she gra- she's from New Orleans. She graduated from LSU a few years after me. She's a little bit younger than me. And then she moved to Houston, where she works in the district attorney's office there in in Houston. But she is also on the board of directors for the LSU Alumni Association in Houston. And LSU has a huge alumni base there. She said there's like 5,000 members in their organization there. And she's on the board there. But, uh, fellas, you know you're talking to a lady that's a serious football fan when, number one, you talk to her for 45 minutes, and number two, she's naming the assistant coaches by name. You know, she, I'm all for I, mean, I think Matt Aranda's going to be a great offensive coordinator, and the defensive coordinator, uh, no, that's Matt Kennedy, Dave Aranda. So it was, it was just neat. And then come to find out, she knows our neighbor up on the lake there, about four houses down, because she works in the district attorney's office. That lady that lives, uh, uh, Bob and Phyllis's, it's Bob's sister. Bob and Phyllis have been here. You know, they were here just a couple weeks ago. His, uh, no, it's his brother, and it would be his sister-in-law uh, is some big wig in the district attorney's office there in Houston, and she knows her. So it's just a, a small, small world. But uh, it was interesting uh, talking football with him. I, I, I guarantee we were there at least 40, 45 minutes. Well, anyway, back to the subject at hand. What can you expect when you follow Jesus? The wrong expectations can set you up for disappointment and and failure even. The right expectations keep you moving in the right direction. It gives you a mature understanding of where the Lord is going with you. And I really believe that studying the life of Peter and what God did in his life, I really believe that God is doing that in our lives. And I've given you supporting scripture, not just... Well, not just the narrative story of Peter, but I've given you other scriptures that apply directly to us. And we said this morning that when you follow Jesus, expect him to see you as he wants you to be. And again, I really believe for believers, which I'm more emphasizing this afternoon, for for us believers, this will help us. 
Because sometimes we find ourselves in situations and we wonder, what is going on? Now, what's going on with my life? Why, why is this happening to me? What am I going through? This, this, and you may even go so far as to say, this is not what I expected when I became a Christian. Or maybe your expectations were wrong. Understanding what we're going to uh, look at again this afternoon might help you to really see what is going on. And this morning we said, number one, when you follow Jesus, expect him to see you as he wants you to be. Okay, he's going somewhere with Glenn McMorris, with Sharon McMorris, and with you guys. He, he's, he's wanting us to get to a point, a certain point that he desires for us. Number two, when you follow Jesus, expect him to get personally involved in your life. As I said this morning, the deists believe God created everything, walked away from it, and we're kind of on our own. That's not what we learn from the life of Peter. Number three, when you follow Jesus, expect him to show you a better way. We all have our own ideas, but if it doesn't match up with his, his is better. His is best. And we need to learn to, to, to humble ourselves to his direction. And then number four, when you follow Jesus, expect him to expose who you really are. Sometimes we just kid ourselves. Peter had higher thoughts of himself that then were actually accurate and real. And the Lord needed to show him. Which then brings us to point number five as we begin this afternoon. When you follow Jesus, expect him to humble you. If you or I have pride in our hearts and lives, that stands in the way of God making and molding us. So he is going to humble us as he did with Peter. We pick up in Luke chapter 22, verse number 56. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire. I suppose this group knows that Jesus, I mean, Peter had told Jesus, I'll never forsake you. Others may forsake you, but I never will. And Jesus told him, he says, before the night's over, before the the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And that had to happen for Peter to recognize his bluster, recognizing that he was all air. So here it is that night. Jesus has been arrested, and Peter is following at a safe distance, okay? And then someone recognizes him as a follower. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I I, I don't know him. I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also with them. And Peter said, man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. What what a moment. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And look at this. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. When a person, when a Christian's heart is filled with pride, it is God's responsibility to humble us. Peter denies Jesus three times. And then realizes suddenly that he has failed the Lord miserably. 
Peter comes to the stark realization that he is not the man that he thought he was or that he pretended to be. And that's important because God cannot use a prideful apostle, a prideful Christian today. Let us understand, when you follow Jesus, you can expect him to humble you, especially if you harbor pride. Proverbs 6.18, which is a general, I mean, we're reading the narrative of Peter, but now here's just a general principle from God's word that applies to all of us. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Understand, experiencing destruction and a fall can be God's way of humbling us. And maybe you're going through a tough time right now, a very difficult time right now. And difficulties and trials can happen for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons can be that very simply, the Lord is humbling you, that you've been filled with pride. I want to have my way. I'm going to do my thing. I got my ideas, my plans. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Not my parents, not the pastor, not my grandparents, not not anybody. And if you harbor that kind of pride, you can fully expect Lord to do in you what he did in Peter. I like this quote from St. Augustine. Humility is the foundation of all other virtues hence. In the soul in which this virtue does not exist, there cannot be any other virtue except in mere appearance. That's worth pondering and thinking about a little bit. Look, Look at that verse again, or that quote. Humility is the foundation of all other virtues. Hence, in the soul in which this virtue does not exist, there cannot be any other virtue except in mere appearance. It is so important that we learn to be humble, that we humbly listen to God, and that we humbly obey God. Because when we listen to God, when we obey God, we are then in a position to be blessed, a position to grow. So understand, when you and I choose to follow the Lord, you can expect, if necessary, for Him to humble you. And it's not necessarily for me to say that that's happening in your life right now, but maybe it is. And the lesson will be over as soon as you learn it. But if you continue to be hard-headed and resistant and defiant to God or the authorities that he has put in your life that represent him, then who knows how long this uncomfortable uh, situation can happen. Peter was the one to say, I'll I'll be by your side through thick or thin. The Lord says, no, you're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times. Peter, I think Peter really believed that, no, that's not going to happen. And then it happened. God had to expose that pride in him, and he will do that in you. But that's for our benefit. That's a good thing. We don't want to be proud individuals. Number six, when you follow Jesus, expect him also to encourage you. One of the great things about following the Lord is that he will encourage you. Now, we've seen Peter. He he, he was selected as an apostle. That's a great thing. God, God gets involved in his life. God sees how he wants him to be. And and yet God has to humble him first before he can really use him. And then once humbled, and you know, Peter going out and weeping bitterly, then the Lord comes back and encourages him. And John chapter 21, verse number 3. This is after all that has happened. 
Simon Peter really is the, about to throw in the towel on this whole discipleship thing. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. You know, they followed Jesus. They saw him taken to the cross. They saw him horribly crucified and buried. And, you know, they, 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 they've experienced all that. And now it's like, hey, this didn't turn out like we thought. So he says, guess what, boys? There's one thing I know how to do. There's one way I can make a living. I've done it all my life. I'm going back to it. I'm going back fishing. And some of his buddies say, okay, we are too. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately that, they, that the night they caught, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, Nope. They hadn't caught any fish. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his father's coat upon him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. John twelve eleven. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and 150 and three, and for all that were so many. Yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread, and giveth them, and fish likewise. That's a beautiful picture. Jesus had told Peter, You're going to deny me. And that night he did. And all Peter knows to do is to go back to what he was doing. It's all over. We're at the end of the road. There's no future in what we thought was our future. And Jesus comes to him. How's the fishing going, boys? Not good. Cast your net on the other side. Whoa. And then they come to shore and he says, hey, I got a meal for you. And Jesus now is investing back in Peter. He's loving him. He is restoring him. Jesus didn't throw Peter under the bus because he failed. Jesus is now inserting himself back into Peter's life. A new Peter. Now a humble Peter. A Peter that will now listen to the Lord. And the Lord told him before, you're going to deny me. Ah, that isn't going to happen. No way. Now Peter's going to listen. And what is the Lord doing here? He is encouraging him. And that's a lesson for all of us. What we see that happened to Peter, we can expect to happen to us too. That we can fail the Lord, and he still loves us. And if we respond properly and humbly, he will restore us. He will encourage us. Psalm 28, verse number 6. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusteth in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song will I praise him. Jesus exposes our sins, and that can be difficult for us. But then he rebuilds us through encouragement. And again, Jesus didn't throw him under the bus. I remember my dad was very good at this. I think, you know, some kids are pretty defiant. Some children are pretty compliant. 
I, I think it was my nature as a, as a small boy to be compliant. And, and my, my dad was always very good at disciplining me, but then also restoring and encouraging me. You know, my dad wasn't really at that stage of his life a faithful church goer. He didn't sit in on parenting lessons and what have you, but he just seemed to have a God-given sense of the right thing to do and how he could both on one hand discipline you and then restore you. I remember one time um, I grew up with my neighbor across the street, Ben Anderson. We grew up ever since we were just little bitty toddlers and we'd stand on either side of the street in this little neighborhood, this little oak tree-lined neighborhood, quaint little middle class, maybe lower middle class neighborhood, and I would ask for Ben when we were little, go tell your mom to bring you over to my side of the street so we can play, and sometimes he would say, get your mom to cross you to cross the street, and you come over and play. We grew up together. Ben's dad was a, a welder, and he had all of his welding equipment out in the side yard, and he had these big metal frames with all this metal stuff on it, I-beams and whatever, and, uh, but he also had a big storage shed out there that he kept locked that he told us, don't ever go in that storage shed. Well, that told us it's filled with BB guns and gold and, you know, everything that boys would want. Yeah, that's got to be why he doesn't want us in there, because it's got to be wonderful stuff in there. Then one day, Mr. Anderson was out doing some welding in the yard, and the, the door was open to the shed. I think he went into the house to eat lunch or something. So Ben and I, our curiosity is up, and we go look in there. We don't see the BB guns or the gold, but it's got to be in there somewhere. And so we decide we got to go all the way to the back of the, the shed. So we get to the back of the shed, and all of a sudden we hear Mr. Anderson come whistling up. <laughs> so we duck down. And to our shock, he shuts the door. And to our dismay, we hear the lock go through it. Clink. we're in a fix. We can rot there the rest of our lives (laughs) or we can expose the fact that we have misbehaved. I think I was the first one to cry help. (laughs) Help! Um, Mr. Anderson told my dad about it. My dad brings me into my room and just... He, he disciplined, you know, a few swats. I mean, my dad wasn't horrible about how s- some people can be out of line with that. But, you know, a few swats and leaves me crying saying, you could got in trouble. You know, you are in trouble for doing that. And he would leave me there, but then he would come back. This was so typical of my dad. And this, this, this made it worse. <laughs> As if I wasn't feeling bad already, he would come back and put his arm around me. He'd say, did you learn a lesson? Yes, sir. You know I love you. Yes, sir. You know, you know, there's stuff in there that could hurt you, could fall on you in Mr. Anderson's shed. Yes, sir. And he, he would hug me and then, then give me a playful swat on the bottom and say, now get out of here and go out there and play and don't, don't ever do that again. That builds a real relationship. That builds a real bond there. And that's what the Lord was doing with Peter there. You know, he, he, he knew that Peter suffered. He knew that Peter realized, came to the stark realization that he was not the man that he thought he was going to be. And now he's loving on him by meeting with him and, and having a, a, a meal with him. And our free will allows us to mess up. But God comes to us and strengthens us and encourages us. And if you've been saved any length of time, you know that to be the case. You can mess up really bad. And God will use that to teach you a lesson. But he, he won't throw you under the bus and keep you there. He is all too eager to put his arms around you and say, I hope you've learned a lesson. 
I hope you'll grow from this, and I hope you won't ever do it again. And you not doing it again will allow me to trust you more, and more good things come your way. And then lastly, number seven, when you follow Jesus, expect him to bring you to the point of great usefulness. See, when he said to Peter, follow me, God was going somewhere with this man. We said that at the very first point. And we kind of sum it up here at the end. When you follow Jesus, expect him to bring you to the point of great usefulness. We turn to Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. Then Peter said unto them, this is after Pentecost. Peter is back in the saddle again. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the same Peter who said, I'm not going to deny you. And then did deny him. This is the same Peter that wept bitterly. You know, I'm a fool. I can I just hear him saying to himself, I'm an idiot. I'm a jerk. How, how could I have said that? You know, I, I, I'm, I've never been so embarrassed. I've never been so down. And Peter finally says, you know, I'm going fishing. You know, it's, that, it's that same Peter now that is proclaiming boldly the cause of Christ. For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he, Peter, testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. After Peter blew it so badly... Jesus used him in a great way. What a loving, patient Savior we've had. Maybe you've blown it in some big way in your life. And you think you can never, ever be used again. And your old flesh, maybe the devil just keeps whispering in your ears. You've blown it. You can never teach a Sunday school class. You can never sing in the choir. You you could never be used of any good for the cause of Christ. Nothing could be further from the truth. If the Lord can restore and use Peter, he can do that with you. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. Here's what Peter wrote. Talking about us Christians. But ye are a chosen generation. Us? A royal priesthood. and holy nation. A peculiar people. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter's writing this to ordinary folks just like you and I. If we're going to be honest, and we can be, we're going to know our faults. We're going to know our shortcomings. We, we know the things we think that we shouldn't do that we shouldn't, you know, say that we shouldn't. Verse number 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. That's us. And that your fruit should remain, and that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. He says that to sinners like you and me. God delights, I believe, in using people that you'd never expect. Jesus has never met a follower that he could not use. The Lord likes to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things with them. And sometimes I think the more ordinary we might be, the more he can do with us. The more checkered our past, I think in some cases, the more he can do with us. You know, when we were remodeling our house recently, uh, Sharon decided that she wanted to, she was into this chalk painting thing and liked it, kind of a hobby for her. And she decided, you know, I want to find, you know, we had a good table 
already dining room table, but it really didn't fit our new decor, if you will. And Sharon said, I know what I'm looking for. And when I find it, I'm just going to get it and refinish it. And she said, it'll work. So she goes to some resale shop, was it? Goodwill. And finds this table for 20 bucks. And she saw in that table something of great value. And her, with the help of some other ladies, were able to refinish it. And you come to my life, to my life, to my house. When you come to my house and you sit down at our dining room table, that's that $20 table that Sharon has invested time and effort in. And it is being used greatly. And I wonder how many people maybe passed by that table and thought, oh, that's a Goodwill table. That's just 20 bucks here at Goodwill. You know, I can't use that. It's of no, no value. You know, how many people walked past it, but Sharon didn't. And understand, people may walk by you and not see the value, but Jesus does. The Lord never just walks past anyone. You may see yourself as used. You may see yourself as damaged. You may see yourself as a failure. You may see yourself as having not much to offer, but Jesus sees the potential in you. He walked past that seashore, that lakeshore, and there's Peter and his brother, and very much ordinary, just hardworking guys. You know, they're not politicians. They're not scholars. They're not theologians. Theologians. They're not theologians. You know, just, just regular, hardworking guys. And the Lord saw this potential in them. And Jesus today sees the giftedness that he has given you and the potential to use it for his honor and glory. So, let's wrap this up. Can you have an idea of what to expect when you follow Jesus? I think, yeah. Just look at Peter. What he did in Peter's life, I think, very much parallels what he's been doing in my life, Sharon's life, and your life. Let's review. When you follow Jesus, expect him to see you as he wants you to be. When you follow Jesus, expect him to get personally involved in, <coughs> in your life. When you follow Jesus, expect him to show you a better way. When you follow Jesus, expect him to expose who you really are. When you follow Jesus, expect him to humble you. If he has to, trust me, he will. When you follow Jesus, expect him to encourage you. And when you follow Jesus, expect him to bring you to the point of great usefulness. Following Christ is understanding that he is making us the man or woman he wants us to be. Buy into it. Don't fight it. Appreciate it. That you have the God of the universe who has your best interest in mind. And even if it's painful for you, loves you enough for you to even experience that pain, if he can get you to the place of greatest usefulness. So as a believer, don't be shocked by what's happening in your life. Chances are it very much parallels what happened and Peter's life as well. And that understanding will help you to move forward in your Christian walk and in your Christian maturity. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. 
If you have any questions about Myobaptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.